Do you have like some sort of a tagline when you leave? Like, be skin healthy. <laughs> just like, leave, like, just say, like, I'm the bomb. <laughs> I don't, but maybe I should come up with one. Yeah, yeah. like a toast. Like, here's here's to your skin. Here's to your skin. <laughs> I hope that was skin interesting. Yeah! <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's it right there. <laughs> The podcast is called Who Cares About Men's Health, giving you information and inspiration to better understand and engage in your health so you feel better today and in the future. My name is Scott Singpill. I am the manager of thescoperadio.com, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. I am Dr. Luke Johnson. I'm a dermatologist at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. And I'm Mitch, and I care about men's health. All right. Uh, today, we're back with dermatologist Dr. Uh, Johnson because we wanted to talk about acne. I've heard a statement that if somebody has acne, that there's acne, that there's no reason that they should suffer with that. And we're going to find that out today. So if you have acne, if somebody in your life has acne, maybe your son or your daughter, I think I said acne, which, of course, is the roadrunner um, coyote thing. It's, it's, it's acne, acne. Acne with an M. Acne. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what can be done? And is that statement that no one should have to live with acne true? So first we want to hit with Mitch's story because Mitch has had a battle throughout his life with acne. So tell us about your battle and how it impacted you and your health. Yeah. So during high school, I had really um, bad acne as I went into like junior, senior year. Um, and it was scarring acne. So every time that the, you know, I'd have a really bad set of breakouts, all of a sudden I would have these little scabs, I'd have these little marks. And over time I was getting puck marks all over my face. And um, you don't see them these days, but that's because I went through a whole lot of work with a dermatologist. Um, we tried everything from topical creams to everything we possibly could um, for a year or two before they decided to finally put me on Accutane, which I don't know if that's standard protocol anymore, the isotretinoin, but I was on that for about a year and a half just to try to get the acne to stop so my skin would stop scarring. And um, I was on that for about a year. It's a, it was a pretty miserable process. You're dry all the time. It's like your lips are falling off. And so my first year of college, I was a bit of a pizza face or whatever. I had really, really bad acne. And uh, by the time it was all said and done, I was left with some scars. And it really impacted my self-esteem, really made me kind of nervous to kind of talk to people. And so I had to go through a whole bunch of treatments. We ended up doing peels and even some uh, some sort of beetle poison that, that they put on my face to try to remove one thing or another. And after all of that work, after years and years of working to fight against the acne and then eventually to minimize the scars, um, I now have the clear, quote unquote, broadcast ready skin that uh, my dermatologist <laughs> wanted me to get when I was originally going to go into television. So. That's a great that's a great story. So it, it impacted your health, your mental health, because it undermined your self-confidence. Oh, most definitely. I was nervous even during treatment. I, I would not want to go to parties and stuff because I, I, my face was covered in scabs. I had all these little scars. I looked I looked a little older than I wanted. I just yeah, I didn't I didn't feel good about it. Dr. Johnson, is Mitch's story common, uncommon? Where, where would you categorize uh, Mitch's journey? I would say it's fairly common, and I'm glad it has a happy ending. I think our current acne medicines that we have available are pretty good, and we can give most people a happy ending. And the amount of time that it took him to go through this process, is that pretty common, or uh, are things a little bit better now? Well, our treatments are actually fairly similar to when Mitch was going through this, but I would say that usually we can get people better a lot faster than that. 
I was going to say, it sounds like, I mean, for Mitch, it sounds like things were pretty advanced, Mitch, when you got to a point when you saw the dermatologist. Um, at, at what point, Mitch, in that process, did you see a dermatologist and then Dr. Johnson? Is this something where if he maybe had an opportunity to see someone like you earlier, could it have prevented a lot of the, you know, the peels and the interventions he needed down the road? Well, at the time when I, I went to a dermatologist relatively early when we started seeing the um, the scarring and the over-the-counter stuff was not quite cutting it. Um, and at the time, the dermatologist said that they would not escalate to Accutane until other things were tried and necessary. I don't know if that was an insurance thing. I don't know if that was a best practice thing, but we had to try some other treatments for a month or two at a time before we went to, went nuclear essentially with the Accutane, hmm. so... Well, I think probably that dermatologists are a lot more comfortable with Accutane now. There's been a lot of research that's come out showing that it's a pretty safe drug. And also there's been a lot more interest in the last 10 or 20 years in what we call antibiotic stewardship, which means limiting the number of antibiotics we prescribe to people in general in order to reduce the resistant bacteria that exist in the world. So I have a pretty low threshold to go ahead and start Accutane on people these days. Yeah, was so was that because I got my treatment back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, so the last ten years, I mean, it was a controlled substance. I had to get tested. I had to do psyche valves, everything, any every month or two that they would give me my refills. We're getting a little farther afield here with the Accutane discussion. But what I would like to say about Accutane is that it's a great medicine. I also took it. And it sounds like you had a fairly significant reaction to it since you described yourself as being fairly miserable for a year or a year and a half on it. But that's an extreme reaction. I would say most people definitely get dry, but they don't find it too bad. And then six to seven months later, their acne is better. So it's a great medicine. It's pretty safe. It works well. And dermatologists use it plenty. I'm going to this is a part of the show where Scott goes, but doctor, if Mitch would have just changed his diet, that would have taken care of the problem, right? Oh, yeah. You're probably eating too many vegetables. Yeah. Chocolate. <laughs> Mitch, were you like eating just tons of chocolate? Oh, I like, did. That's all deal? I ate. Yeah. And I just <laughs> smear it on my face. Hershey <laughs> bars and smear it around. You probably never bathed either. Nope. <laughs> So these are myths, so thanks for bringing them up. There has been a fair amount of research into diet and acne, and lately there's actually been a couple positive spikes where it looks like if you drink skim milk, not other types of milk, but skim milk specifically, or your diet has what we call a high glycemic load, which means it's got a lot of simple sugars in it, it might make your acne a little bit worse. So instead of having five pimples a month, you might have six pimples a month or something. But it doesn't make a big deal. And also, cleaning and hygiene doesn't seem to have a lot to do with it either. However, there are particular medicated cleansers that people can use that can really help out their acne. I was going to say, there's a certain brand that you see advertised all the time on TV. <laughs> is well, that Does that make a difference? I mean, is that something that people should be trying? So... Here is one of the heartbreaking things that I see in my practice. Somebody has significant acne, and they have spent hundreds of dollars on over-the-counter products to try to make it better. And maybe Advertised by celebrities, right? Is that what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Perhaps okay. Kristen Bell. <laughs> I won't name any names, That's what I but use, she's yeah. awesome in the good place. She's, yeah, <laughs> she's awesome in the good place. So people spend a bunch of money on products that maybe help a little bit, but when, if they had just come to a dermatologist clinic, we could get them better a lot faster and a lot better and a lot cheaper. So there are over-the-counter products that are pretty good for acne, and some of these expensive, fancy products that you see advertised contain some of those ingredients, 
So that part's good, but you can get them a lot cheaper in, you know, sort of generic forms. So my favorite over-the-counter acne treatment is called benzoyl peroxide. It's not hydrogen peroxide. It's benzoyl peroxide. It comes in a lot of different forms. It comes as washes. It comes as creams. It comes as like spot treatment pads. I like it best as a cleanser or a wash because I figure most people who care about acne are going to be washing their face anyway. So you might as well put some medicine in there to avoid having something else to do. This will bleach towels, however. So all of my towels are white or bleached. The red ones are now pink. (laughs) Yeah, my wife says I owe her a set of teal towels sometime when I stop using this medicine, but I don't think I'm ever going to stop using it. (laughs) And that's interesting that you point that out. This isn't just about, you know, maybe someone in their teens or early 20s when a lot of us have dealt with acne, but you're talking as an adult, maybe into your 30s, 40s. This is still stuff that people are using and you're recommending. I'm 16. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my were, you born on a, were you born on a leap year? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. I just turned 40. Still got some acne. You still got, I, and wow. I, you know, we talked about this in the previous episode, but I think a lot of us are dealing with acne outbreaks right now just from mask use, the whole maskne thing where you have that moisture there and, that's, and that seems to be leading to some more acne. Is that something you're seeing more of as well? Yes. And I think maskne is a real thing. And medicines like this benzoyl peroxide can help. So let me offer a couple specific pointers for your listeners. So for if your skin is not particularly sensitive, then you can use whatever benzoyl peroxide is cheapest. I just buy like the Walmart brand 10% benzoyl peroxide stuff. But if you have more sensitive skin that gets irritated by the benzoyl peroxide, then you want to use something with a lower strength. So my favorite gentle version is called Acne Free. It's a 2.5% containing benzoyl peroxide cleanser, extremely gentle. And the brand CeraVe, C-E-R-A-V-E, also makes a good one called Foaming Acne Facial Cleanser or something like that both very gentle. So if you try the normal stuff and it's too irritating, try one of those instead. There's another product that I think I mentioned in the last episode called Differin. The medicine is Adapalene, which is in there. Also good for acne, good for scars, also good for wrinkles, etc. So what I normally recommend is you do the benzoyl peroxide cleanser in the morning, you put on something like Differin at night, and that's all you need to do for your acne. Don't use astringents, don't use apricot scrubs, don't use random creams from Mexico. Just those two things are the best things you can do that are over the counter. And if they're not working, and give them a few months. It takes four to six months, really. So be patient. But if you try it for that length of time and you don't get where you want to be, then see a dermatologist and we can help. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's such a simple regimen. Like you said, it just gets to the basics. Forget all the expensive products. Forget the mail order stuff. Simple stuff. Like you could say, you could buy the cheap stuff at Walmart. Sounds like this is a regimen that, in, in your experience, sounds like works for the large majority of people with acne. If it's mild, then this works pretty well. If it's not mild, then it probably needs prescription medicines, but we have some pretty good ones. All right. Well, I guess it is true that you shouldn't have to live with acne. You shouldn't have to go through what Mitch went through. Um, and just to be clear, you could try those two over the counter products that you talked about. You would recommend a patient does that first. And if after how many months they're not seeing success, that's when you'd want to come to a dermatologist? Or would you recommend a trip to the dermatologist before you try any of those products? I would say if you're in doubt, see a dermatologist because we can tell you if all you need is that stuff or if you need something stronger, you can start using that stuff while you wait for your appointment to come up. All right, perfect. Uh, Do you have a final kind of thought when it comes to the topic of acne and men and our health? I 100% agree that nobody should have to suffer with it. We have really good treatments, so come see us. 
All right, Dr. Johnson, thanks for being on the show. And thank you for caring about men's health. Happy to. So, Scott, you know, a common question I get asked when people find out what I do is what is the craziest thing you have ever seen? Like people <laughs> love to ask that question. You've probably asked me that question at some point. I think yeah. you might have. But uh, you, you've got to figure the ER, if you're going to see crazy things, it's in the ER. And sometimes I think I've seen just about everything. But then I'll read different case reports about things people have seen in other ERs. And then it's such a unique thing. Then they write about it and publish it in a journal. And I think, wow, I have not seen that. And that's fascinating. <laughs> have, have you ever ran across one of these crazy cases in the medical? Is it a medical journal? Uh, yes. Have you ever ran across one of those cases that then eventually you see and you're like, oh, I know how to handle that now. Yeah, I have. And sometimes oh, okay. you will see things and you think, wow, this is crazy. I've never seen it. I need some more insight into it. So you'll search for an article and you'll oh. find a case report. That's the beauty All of these right. case reports. You're like, oh, wow, someone else saw this and this is what I need to do. And this is their insight into it. And I've published case reports, too, of things I've seen, like crazy oh. cases that others haven't seen. Um, so that's the cool thing. It's a process. You publish what you see and then you read what others have published as well. And these are right. obviously rep reputable medical journals. So here's a crazy case report, Scott. First question for you. Do you like black licorice? Mm, not really. No. See, some people love it and some people hate it. Yeah. Like, I really like black licorice. I really like it. I'm more like on it. the hate it side. Yeah. <laughs> you can have all my black licorice. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Because oftentimes, if I ever get candy, I'll buy good and plenty. You know, it's like this black licorice coated in candy. And Laura's mm -hmm. like, I think you bought the one that's been on the shelf since 1950 because <laughs> no one else eats that stuff. <laughs> well, here's a case of a person who, this is reported in the New England Journal of Medicine, one of the top medical journals. Of a 54-year-old man who came into the emergency department after experiencing a life-threatening heart rhythm. So he was in a life-threatening heart rhythm. He was unconscious. Uh, and as they tried to resuscitate this patient, you know, it sounds like they were able to get uh, blood pressure back and, and he improved somewhat. But they were trying to figure out why in the world did this happen. And so they talked to his family and this is what they found. They said this individual did not have a very good diet. His diet seemed to consume, it seemed to consist only of black licorice. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, he had been eating one to two large packages of black licorice every day. I mean, that was his diet, essentially. His entire source of nutrition was nothing more, it sounds like, than black licorice over the past couple of weeks prior to this. Um you know, you might think from a health standpoint, that doesn't sound particularly healthy. You know, you're basically just consuming a lot of sugar and that's what's keeping you going. You're missing out on a lot of other nutrition. But, you know, besides being unhealthy, what's the risk? Well, this is something I did not know. Apparently, black licorice contains a compound called glycyrrhizin. You spell that G-L-Y-C-Y-R-R-H-I-Z-I-N. I have never heard of this compound before. Uh, it's derived from the licorice root, which is what gives black licorice its flavor. And if you consume too much of this, it actually drops the body's potassium levels. Now, this being said, I have seen people come in the ER with life-threatening low potassium levels, and it does bad things to the heart. If your potassium's low, it affects the heart's activity and it can kill you. So this person was consuming so much black licorice and so much of this substance, this glycyrrhizin, that it actually lowered their potassium level to a dangerously low level and caused their heart to go into some crazy heart rhythm. They lost their pulse. 
the sad ending of this story is this individual went to their intensive care unit and actually passed away 32 hours later. Mm. Um, so he did not survive. But the point of this is, you know, there are certain hidden risks in some of these foods and you know, kind of whole thing, all things in moderation. You eat too much of one thing, especially black licorice. It can have some kind of crazy, very severe detrimental effects. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was just thinking that, you know, we think, well, first of all, black licorice is, is natural. So how could that damage somebody? But, you know, yeah. overconsumption of anything, natural or not, could possibly lead to, um, you know, bad outcomes or something going wrong. And it just, just really reinforces like when you're doing stuff, taking medicine, medications or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'll just take a couple extras. Like if black licorice can do that, you know, yeah. medications can have quite a, quite a larger impact, I'd imagine. So. Yeah. The good the good news of this is at least half of our population is not at risk of this because they absolutely hate black licorice. I think it's like cilantro. Like there's something about cilantro that it's so polarizing and black licorice is the same. People just think it's disgusting, yeah. you know, and other people love it. I'm on the side that loves it. But after eating this, I, I thought, well, you know, once in a while, I might eat an entire package of good and plenties in, in one sitting. But I thought maybe I should be a little more cautious about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Obviously, it, it's a huge amount that would take to do this, but uh, an you know, accumulation over time. Yeah, it's an just accumulation built, over the built time. Up yeah. and built up, and he just wasn't able to, yeah, to get rid of it fast enough. I'd imagine. Yeah, I think it was that part of it, and then also the part of probably not eating the other good stuff, the you know things that mm -hmm. would provide potassium. So you you got something that's lowering your body's potassium, and then probably just not consuming other things. There are lots of things that can do this in diets. You know, we see this a lot with alcohol. You know, people who chronic alcoholics who their only source of nutrition is alcohol, and they just drink tons and tons of alcohol, and then that affects their thiamine levels. And they thiamine and folate, and they can come in with severe nutritional def uh, deficits that cause like some really severe neurologic issues. So it's not limited to licorice. There are lots of things out there that, that can do that. Time for just going to leave this here. It might have something to do with health. It might not. Could be totally random. Just something that might not have someplace else to live on the show. Scott, well, I'm going to go first here. I'm just going to leave this here. You know, I had an experience recently and you were part of this experience. I have mm -hmm. been speaking to you now for, I don't know, <laughs> 10 plus months. I have not actually seen your beautiful face until oh, just a week that's ago. so sweet. Big old and, sweetheart uh, you are. Yeah, that is, it's crazy. It was a kind of a surreal experience to feel like I've been talking to you this long. And it's so funny because at work that day, I had a little downtime between patients. So I was listening back just to a couple of our recent episodes. And so it was so funny having listened to you and just felt like I'd been talking till morning and then to actually see your face. I was like, whoa, there's Scott. I haven't seen <laughs> this guy since March 10th or whenever it was. So, right. so I'm just going to leave this here. It was good to see you. It's oh, been a while. <laughs> that's thanks. I appreciate it. I'm going to clarify. Uh, we record on a a uh, platform that does not have visuals. So we literally have not seen each other for no. that long. And it was a little weird for me. I, I'm going to have to admit, I, I think I'm a little awkward socially anyway, unless it's <laughs> behind a microphone because I, I feel comfortable there. Uh -huh. So like, I'm like standing there, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you and I'm like, well, I guess that's, I, I don't know. What should we talk? I could talk all day like this, but. <laughs> exactly. We needed to struggling. turn away from each other so we couldn't see each other <laughs> and then we could speak to each other. So first impression, what were you, any first impressions, Scott? after not seeing me for 10 months um your hair is redder than i thought it was because usually yeah. i think you keep your hair shorter it's a little bit longer um i think there's some red in there that i never noticed before but you look good i mean Irish. you had your mask on yeah so yeah but 
Yeah. You look good like too, everybody. Kristen. You look oh, healthy. Thanks. It's like, you look healthy. You look good. <laughs> well, <thanks. laughs> You've been staying healthy. I'm glad, glad to see that. Just going to leave this here. Uh, I love this little saying that I stumbled across the other day. Cause it's, uh, you know, I'm always trying to think of a, a new way to look at something to motivate myself or that might motivate somebody else. Kind of a new paradigm. Cause sometimes just even a new paradigm can make a huge difference. The saying is you do not design your future. You design your habits and your habits design your future. Hmm. And I love that because what that speaks to is instead of thinking about uh, what you ultimately want to accomplish, think about the things you need to do to accomplish it, make those your habits. And then eventually that's going to become part of your future. Does that make sense to anybody other than the guy talking right now? It makes sense. That sounds like something that Nick said recently. And he also kind of said that too, talked about, you know, not just going for the end goal, but being more process oriented. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's more enjoying the process and developing that process. And then you take whatever comes as a result of that. Hopefully it's a good thing. So it makes sense. All right. Time to say the things that you say at the end of podcast, because we are at the end of ours. First of all, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do it a lot of different ways. The way that would be kind of cool is if you called 60155-SCOPE, that's 60155-SCOPE, and leave us a voicemail with your message, your question, your feedback, whatever. But there are other methods as well. You can contact us, hello at thescoperadio.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash whocaresmenshealth. Our website is whocaresmenshealth.com. Also, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, whatever works for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring about men's health. <laughs>